This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, Puerto Rico demands answers. The ground is shifting in Puerto Rico in more ways than one. First, literally, the island has been suffering what experts call an earthquake swarm. More than a thousand quakes since December 28th, mainly in the southeast of the island. Cars crushed under collapsed garages. Churches reduced to rubble. Sick patients are being moved from their hospital rooms into the street because there is a worry that the hospital itself could collapse. We are seeing several dozen people living in tents because they are too afraid to go back inside their homes. The other seismic shift is from the people of Puerto Rico themselves, who've taken to the streets in recent weeks in the wake of yet another revelation of government incompetence. This summer, two weeks of protests ousted then-Governor Ricardo Rosselló. And now there are fresh demands for accountability and for a responsive government. Alana Casanova Burgess, a reporter and producer with WNYC's On the Media, brings us this story. On Saturday, January 18th, a Puerto Rican blogger approached a warehouse in the city of Ponce, in the south of the island. He was walking quickly with urgency. He was on Facebook Live, asking viewers to share the video right away. He wanted as many eyeballs as possible. His real name is Lorenzo Delgado, but he goes by the name El León Fiscalizador, roughly translated the Lion Investigator or the Lion of Accountability. Inside the massive building, his camera catches pallets of water bottles, packaged food, and boxes and boxes neatly stacked of aid supplies. Off camera, someone tells him this is all from Hurricane Maria from two years ago. The people have to know the truth, he says. The live stream starts ticking up viewers by the thousands. People want to see what's in this warehouse in the earthquake zone, near where thousands have been sleeping outside in camps. I watched the live stream for about four or five hours. I was just transfixed. Yarimar Bonilla is an anthropologist and co-editor of Aftershocks of Disaster. Puerto Rico before and after the storm. Eventually, people started showing up to see the warehouse in person. And so they started going through the warehouse and bringing item by item to the crowd to show them what was there. The expired bottled water was particularly egregious because after Hurricane Maria, people died from leptospirosis, a bacterial illness known to spread through contaminated drinking water. But it didn't end there. 
And then they would bring a package of baby formula and people would say, oh my God, baby formula. That's what everyone is asking for in the camps right now, the earthquake survivors, and they would be incredibly appalled. There were cots and batteries and portable showers and baby bottles and tarps. It just kept coming. They showed a camping stove. And people would say, oh my God, you can't find those anywhere right now. And people have had to eat beans out of a can because they have nothing to cook on. And so each of these items became a kind of symbol of a form of cruelty. And in some cases, especially with the bottles of water, they became a kind of symbol of death. And so it was like he had uncovered not just a warehouse of goods, but almost like he had uncovered cadavers. The live stream became a kind of trial. Once the evidence had been presented, it was time for testimony. And so they started calling mayors, putting them on the speakerphone to ask them about this and to see who would take responsibility for it. So far, nobody has. And I was like, Wow, I mean, you see my camera moving everywhere because I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, that was so close and nobody knows. I spoke to Leon Fiscalizador, the blogger, on a poor phone line. He said the whole thing, the mismanaged emergency response, the people in need close by, has felt all too familiar to what happened after Hurricane Maria in 2017. Now it happens again in another emergency. It's like they don't learn from the first one. Outside the warehouse, the crowd divided up the supplies. But it's just a temporary fix. More pressing is the need for a full accounting of what happened. Not only with the lingering questions over this warehouse, but with the government response overall. One of the main problems that we have in Puerto Rico in terms of our government is that there is no accountability at any point. Benjamin Torres Cotay is a senior writer and columnist for El Nuevo Día, a Puerto Rican newspaper. There is a very grave problem of impunity. There were many situations of mismanagement of aid during Maria, and no one paid for that. No one has been accused, no one has been on trial, no one has gone to jail. We are on the suspicion that nobody's going to pay for this neither. The problem, he says, is that so many agency chiefs aren't qualified for their posts and are merely appointed for political reasons. Even the current governor, Wanda Vasquez, was not elected. She took office after the previous governor stepped down. Vasquez demanded a report about the Ponce warehouse within 48 hours, but then didn't make it public and has instead referred it to Puerto Rico's Department of Justice. We are in January. At some point, maybe summer, there will be a Friday afternoon press release saying that they did not find anything in that situation. And that has been our history for some time. As of this writing, the governor has also declined sit-down interviews with the local press. But last weekend, she did speak through an interpreter with David Begno of CBS. Um, good morning, everyone. We are about to conduct an interview with Governor Wanda Vasquez. In one much-quoted answer, she said people in the earthquake zone were, quote, feeling happy. But people living in the camps have also been suffering through heavy rains and flooding, and several told the press right away that the answer was tone-deaf and dangerous. You wish there would be some quick and strong actions to correct something so risky for most of the population. Omaya Sosa Pascual is with the Center for Investigative Journalism, the team that revealed how the government was severely undercounting the dead after Maria. There's still no final number, although the figure that gets cited in protests is 4,645, an estimate from a Harvard study. 
Earlier this month, she reported on how the island's only trauma center is in a hospital building that has a high risk of collapse in an earthquake. And if that's not bad enough, we found out that the trauma center director had not been even contacted by the Secretary of Health of Puerto Rico for the response plan to the earthquake. And we're talking about more than a week after the first earthquake started. And even in the course of your reporting, you reached out to the governor's office. You got a statement from her, which was essentially that she hopes, she prays that... She trusts in God and the Virgin Mary that we will not get a stronger earthquake. That's a very irresponsible response to uh, 3 million citizens in Puerto Rico, really. A lot of people are suffering from what they call extreme chronic trauma from stress. They are every day in the middle of these smaller earthquakes. And, you know, it's unbearable. The fear and distrust is not abstract. The Secretary of Health, who was in the job during the undercount after Maria, he's still in his post. I think that People, you know, have taken matters into their own hands. And they're also taking to the streets. It's a good sign, actually, that people after the summer are more open and aware and eager to react to things, to ask for accountability from the government. We can see it in the recent protests. And the weekend after two particularly strong earthquakes shook towns in the southwest of Puerto Rico, roads were clogged with civilians, not government officials, going to deliver emergency aid. The people of Puerto Rico understand at this point that they cannot trust government and they are taking care of themselves and taking care of the people affected by the situation without waiting for the government. We suffered the corrupt government in Puerto Rico and we suffered the discrimination of the U.S. government. In August, the Department of Housing and Urban Development announced that hurricane recovery aid for nine states would be made available, but that the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico would have to wait longer and be subject to conditions. The official line was that Puerto Rico's government couldn't be trusted. We understand that we have a problem of corruption. Nobody can deny that in Puerto Rico. As we say here, no puede tapar el sol con la mano. You can block the sun with your hand. We have a really big problem with corruption, with government incompetence, with politicking in government, etc. That should not be an excuse for the U.S. to fulfill its responsibility with their colony. And it's ironic that President Trump has accused Puerto Rican politicians of being corrupt. The only corruption accusations up to this point related to funds of Hurricane Maria have been a FEMA official vice director of FEMA in Puerto Rico, and an American contractor. In other words, federal officials, not local ones. A FEMA report from 2017 showed that the agency was aware that public school buildings were vulnerable to earthquake damage, but they still cut funds for repairs last year. A school collapsed during an earthquake earlier this month. President Trump was slow to sign emergency declarations after the earthquakes. And, as Omaya Sosa Pascual notes, 90% of disaster response contracts for Puerto Rico are in the hands of companies from the 50 states. Whose fault is this, really? Who's in charge and who is responsible? In the day-to-day, I would say that the, the fault is 50-50, divided, the local government and the federal government. But really, in the grand scope of things, the fault is the United States government and Congress fault. 
for more than 120 years now. You know, it's ridiculous that Puerto Rico is still a colony in the 21st century. And it is easy for President Trump to blame the local government whenever he wants and to make up excuses when the fact is he and all the presidents that came before him are holding a undemocratic regime here and decide over our budget and over our issues whenever they please without being elected by us. The problem is the local government blames the federal government and the federal government blames the local government and stuck in between our three million Puerto Ricans all the time. You know, some folks are saying, let's not protest. Let's not make things worse. You know, Trump already has called us corrupt or just proving him right. And he's going to withhold the aid. Yarimar Bonilla. But the aid is already being withheld. In the United States, they already think that Puerto Ricans can't govern themselves. And that's why we've never been given that ability and that right. Puerto Ricans are caught in this double bind where they're denied these democratic rights, denied aid, you know, but then they're also told to not deal with and not take care of these corrupt politicians and government mismanagement issues that are being used as reason for holding the aid. Is there a way to route out corruption and ineptitude while not fueling the cruel and offensive narrative that the island doesn't deserve aid and that it can't manage itself? Yarimar says that for residents of a colony, the double bind also applies to the issue of perception. W.B. Du Bois talked about this idea of double consciousness that was held by African-Americans in the United States, where on the one hand, they have their kind of internal perceptions of self that we all do, but they're also always thinking of how they're being viewed by others, measuring themselves by the means of what he described as a nation that looked back upon them with contempt. You know, that also works on a societal level where the entirety of Puerto Rico is on the one hand developing its own ideas of self, developing projects and new political programs of what we want to see here. But at the same time, as we develop them, we're constantly thinking about, well, how is this going to look like from the outside? How is this going to look like to the United States or to the federal government or to U.S. taxpayers who then might or might not tell their representatives to support certain legislation that might favor us? So, you know, we have no say and we have no representatives in government. The only way that we can achieve these things is by worrying about the projections that we make in the U.S. public sphere. So is the answer then just to ignore that that narrative that gets built that Puerto Rico doesn't deserve aid or that it it can't govern itself? I don't think it's to be ignored, though. I think that that's something that is more important for people in the 50 states to worry about and to hold their government representatives accountable for what they're doing. You know, we're here in Puerto Rico, we're cleaning up our government. We're holding our politicians accountable. In some ways, it can be seen as a kind of further indictment on the government, but it also is further proof of how committed Puerto Ricans are to holding their politicians accountable. Within one electoral term, we're on the second governor that we're trying to get rid of. And meanwhile, in the United States, there's these long drawn out process of impeachment, etc. that aren't really giving people any satisfaction. Whereas here, folks are in a position of reinventing what democracy looks like, which is something very hard to do in a colony, because after all, how democratic could a colony be? Hundreds of people protested last Thursday, and that night, police fired multiple rounds of tear gas on a small group outside the governor's mansion. Riot police ordered protesters in Old San Juan to disperse. The footage was streamed on Facebook Live.
Our thanks to Alana Casanova-Burgess for bringing us that story. She's a producer and reporter for WNYC's On the Media, where this story first aired. This episode was edited by Katya Rogers. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Fernanda Camarena, Sofia Palizacá, Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoka, and Alisa Scarce, with help from Joanne DeLuna. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fidelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Julia Inés Esparza and Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The Heising Simons Foundation. Unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. And the Ford Foundation. Working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, host of How I Built This from NPR. How do you turn an okay idea into a better one? Check out the How I Built This podcast and my live conversation with Stuart Butterfield, founder of Slack and Flickr, as he explains the art of the pivot. Listen now. I'm Maria Hinojosa, and next time on Latino USA, Alejandra Guzman is known as the queen of Latin American rock and roll. I talk with her about her legendary career and about what the rockera lifestyle looks like with wrinkles and hip replacements. That was not my time to die, and everybody thought I was going to die, but uh-uh. That's next time on Latino USA.